And it wasn't one moment too late. Rick shared this morning at the breaking of bread about Simeon. He had waited. The Lord had promised, you're not going to die, Simeon, until you see the Lord's Christ, until you see the Messiah. And he waited patiently. He was an old man now. There's no doubt about it from reading the scriptures. And he waited. And, and when the time was ripe, God sent forth his son. It says in Galatians 4, and verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Isn't that amazing that we can be adopted into God's family? That we can have a personal relationship with Him? Not just to think of God way out there in heaven, and way out there in space somewhere? No, he came to personalize it. He came to show us, our Lord Jesus Christ came to show us who God is, how much he loves us, how much he wants our hearts, and he wants us to be saved. He came with a burden. He came with a mission. And you know, God gave the best gift that he could possibly give to us, the gift of his Son his well-beloved Son. And when you have the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, you have everything. You know, sometimes when you go shopping for Christmas, you say, what can I get for so-and-so? They have everything. You know, uh, what am I going to buy? They already have this. They already have that. They are, you go down the list. What can I get for the person who has everything? Well, as believers, who has Jesus Christ as our Savior, you couldn't shop for us. Because we already have everything. The Bible says everything belongs to us because we belong to Christ. And so that's the riches that we have that the world cannot take away, that the world cannot understand. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to see him one day. We're going to see him in all of his splendor and all of his glory. And it's going to be a thrilling thought for all of us. You know, the story is told of a wealthy church member whose son joined the Royal Air Force during World War II. And the son was a pilot, and he was shot down, and he died during the war. And the member of that church, he had no known relatives. He died himself, and he left no known relatives. So it was stipulated in the will that they would auction off everything that this man had, and he was very wealthy. He was an, he was an artist. He was an art collector. And he had a lot of things of this world to, to be auctioned off. So the auctioneer called everyone to come. And there they gathered in the auction hall to auction off some of these great works of art. Things that they were just so excited that they would have a chance to have some of this art. It was worth so much and they were going to start the bidding on it. But as the auctioneer informed the crowd that before the other things in the auction would be sold, the first thing on the auctioneer's block there was an oil painting of the man's son. Who'll start the bidding, he said. Silence. Who'll give me this? Who'll give me that? He kept saying over and over. And finally, one of the servants of the man who had served his master so well and, and loved the son and He's, he bid. He says, I will buy that picture. And so, sold, you have bought the picture. The auctioneer at that point then said, 
The auction is over. He said, the will states that whoever gets the son gets the whole lot. That man went home with everything. And the point of it is, when you have the Son of God, you have everything. You have all that you need. You have everything you could possibly desire when you have Jesus. We may not be wealthy. We may not have all these things in this world, the material things of this world. But spiritually, we're rich beyond all measure. And we have so many things in Christ. The title of our message today is that He came to change our lives. Have you ever thought of that? That's why Jesus came, was to change our lives. Did our lives need changing? Oh, I know mine did. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. Our lives were not what we wanted them to be, were we? We were sad. We were depressed. We didn't have what we want. There was something missing there. And that void that God creates in the heart of every human being that only the Lord Jesus can fill, we were missing that. And so Christ came to change our lives. And not just to make a temporary change like some people do in this world. He came to make a permanent change. He came to change us from the inside, to change our heart and give us a new life. And that's what he did. And whether you're a young person or an older person, today's a day that you can accept Christ too. And if you have never received him as your Lord and Savior, Today, he wants to change your life. He wants to change your whole outlook, your whole purpose in life, your whole way of living your life. And he wants to give you a brand new life, a life, the life of God, that will last forever and forever. We're going to look at three wonderful things that he came to to show us, three wonderful things he came to give us, three wonderful things that mean so much to us And they all begin with the letter L. Number one is love. God is love. Number two is light. He came to give us light. God is light. And number three, he came to give us life, eternal and abundant, his life. So by having these three things and all the others, we have these precious things that The world cannot appreciate. The world could not appreciate that oil painting of the sun, could they? But one man could because he knew the sun, because he loved the sun. He says, I will bid. And he got that and he got all the other things too. So may God speak to our hearts this morning. God is love. You know, you cannot turn it around though and say love is God, can you? No, but you can say God is love. Everything about him is love unconditional, measureless, boundless, eternal, incomprehensible love he has for us. And you look at yourself. And we saw that movie on Wednesday night about the story of Hosea and how Hosea was married to Gomer. And you noticed how in the movie, those who had a chance to see it, she was a beautiful lady. Gomer was a beautiful lady, I'm sure, too. But notice how how after she was put on the auction block to be, to be auctioned off, how she looked so terrible. And wasn't that our condition before Christ? We looked terrible. We were sinful. We were apart from God. We had no hope. We had no peace. Nothing. And yet only God could love us like that. Only God could love us. But he says, I love you 
but I want to change you. I, want, I love you so much, I want to give you a better life. I want to give you the best life. I like what Adol usually says, and he probably will say it around this time of year. The best is yet to come. Because no matter how many good things we celebrate on earth and all the tremendous things that we have, it's nothing compared to the best in heaven that we're going to have because we're going to be with our Savior. Yes, his love is so rich. John 3, 16 and 17 tells the story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved. Isn't that a wonderful thought? The Lord Jesus Christ did not come as a judge to us, he did not come to condemn us, to put us down and tell us all the things that we did wrong. And we did a lot of things wrong. And he, would, he was a righteous God and he could have done that. He came with compassion. He came with mercy. He came with forgiveness. And those who came to him always found his love to be so wonderful. His healing to be so tremendous and so great. It says in 1 John 4, 7 to 11, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's a tremendous love. And I think about how the Lord Jesus, as he walked this earth and met so many different people, and he came to people that you would describe as not very lovable, not very good in their character, in their lifestyle, in their sinfulness. And yet, he came to them. And he loved them and he saved them. Think about some of these characters for a moment. And there's many more of them. Think about the woman of the well. Jesus loved her. He made a special journey to that Samaritan well to meet with her. She was a sinful woman married all these different times, and the man she's now with is not even her husband. But he came, and he knew. He knew her sinful path, but he came to present the, the gift of salvation to her. And then she went to the Samaritans, and she said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Yes, he was. And so when the Samaritans heard that message, he said, well, when you first told us, this was a wonderful thing you told us, but now we've seen him for ourselves. We've heard him for ourselves, and they got saved. All because the Lord Jesus loved her. The second one I'd like to bring to your attention, and we had a message on this one before in the past, the woman caught in adultery. I mean, here's a woman caught in adultery in the very act, and they were ready to stone her to death. They said, Moses said in the law that women like this should be stoned. And the Lord just simply said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they went out one after the other, from the oldest to the youngest, because they knew they were sinners. They could not judge her. He did not judge her. He loved her. He forgave her. He gave her a new life, a new heart. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. The third one is the demon-possessed man who is full of demons, living in the tombs. He was named Legion because there were so many demons in him. Nobody wanted to get near him. He was powerful and strong, full of the, of, of the devil, really. He was full of, of, with Satan, and, and so nobody would want to get near him. He was dangerous. 
Jesus came to save him. Jesus came to change him, and he did. And it says this man who was breaking the chains and was in, naked in the tombs is now clothed and seated and in his right mind. And that's a change. That was a total radical change that he made in this man's life because he loved him. He didn't want to see him in that condition. And the Lord looks at your, your life today, and he looks at your heart today, and he looks right inside. He loves you. He wants to save you, and he wants to change you and make you the person he wants you to be. The fourth one I think about is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, the chiefest of tax collectors. He swindled people. He cheated his own race, the Jewish people, because he collected taxes for the Romans. And they hated him for it. And there he was, climbed up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus. And the Lord stopped and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. And salvation came to his house. And he invited all his friends, and the ones that he could have. He didn't probably have too many, but they were other tax collector friends probably, and neighbors and so forth. He invited them in because I want you to meet somebody who loved me and forgave me knowing everything about me, and that's the love of God. The last one I'd like to bring to our attention is the thief on the cross. Maybe his situation was worse of all because he was a thief and probably a murderer. He was on a cross, on that Roman cross. They were putting him to death for the crimes that he had done. The hymn writer says, was it for crimes that I have done? He suffered on the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. What an amazing thing. This thief on the cross, originally there were two thieves, one on each side. And at, at, when the first was on the cross, the Lord was in the middle. They, each of them turned against him. He says, if you're the son of God, if, save yourself and save us. Take us down from this cross. Save us from it. But then something began to change. He started to listen to the words that Christ was saying on the cross. And there were seven words, and we won't go into those. But he said seven things on the cross. And finally, that, that thief realized there was something different about this man in the middle. This one who was dying on the cross in the middle. He wasn't dying for his own sins, his own crimes. He was dying for the sins of the world. He saw there was something different. He said probably the words that probably struck him were, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And so that thief on the cross turned to the Lord and he said, Jesus, when you, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And the Lord could have said, sorry, you did too many wrong things. It's too late for you. But he didn't. He didn't. He said, today, today you shall be with me in paradise. And he says the same thing to us. If we come to him and confess our sin and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you took my sins there and bore them in your own body and showed me the greatest love. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me. Change my life. He'll do it. He'll never turn you away like he never turned away from these I mentioned. He'll never do it. He'll only love us and save us. And there's so many examples throughout Scripture and in the New Testament about how he loved people and saved them. Yes, he can do the same thing for you. And you know, the love of God is such that we don't just put it on a shelf and admire it and enjoy it 
And like we do a lot of things in our homes, we, we put it there. We don't want to touch it because it might get ruined. So we put it in a special place, maybe in a glass case. You've got some things that are really special to you. You put them there. The love of God isn't like that. The love of God is to be used. It's to let his love flow through us so that others can be experience eternal life and salvation so that they can come to know that love as well. So he loves us in order for us to love others and to love each other and to love people who are unsaved and to love even our enemies. Only the love of God can love enemies. I mean, it's so easy when you love your mother, you love your brother, you love your father, you love your friends, your cousins, everybody. It's easy to love those people. But how much is it? It's harder to love our enemies, those who kill us, those who shoot us, those who want to do us wrong, the ones who put us down and persecute us. Jesus said that, he said, love your enemies. Do good to them who hate you. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. And only the love of God can enable us to do that. We've seen some situations, I recall that situation that happened where this man went into the Bible study at the church, and he was there with the, with the people, and all of a sudden he started shooting and killing the people at the Bible study. And it was devastating for the whole church, it was devastating for the whole town, the whole city, and yet there were Christians there, and they said to that, we forgive him, we forgive him. And, that, and you say, how could they do that? How can you forgive somebody like this? It's the love of God. The love of God gives us the capacity to love. He came not only to love us, but give us the capacity to love. We didn't have that capacity before. And so thank God he's given us his love. In, first, in John chapter 13, in verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, the gospel is a powerful message, and when we share the gospel, it's a powerful message to people, and we need to do it, but we have to do it with love. We have to do it with compassion. We have to do it with mercy because that's how he gave us the gospel, right? That's how we became Christians is through love, and so much can be accomplished through the love of God. In John also says in, in 1 John, he says, how can you love your brother whom you have, if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? And so if we say we love God, we have to love others also. And as I mentioned, some people are hard to love. But those kind of people are the ones that come to Christ because they know how bad off they are. And when we show their love and share the gospel with them, they will get saved. Secondly, not only is he a God of love, but he's a God of light. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, he came into a dark world. And if you've ever been in darkness where there's no light, even anything coming through, there's, you feel it. They have those caves and caverns that you can go down underground and then they, they turn the human lights off, the earthly lights, and all of a sudden it's so dark that they have to hold on to the handrails because it's dark and you'll fall. You'll lose your equilibrium. Well, when the Lord Jesus came into this world, born in Bethlehem's manger, he was the light of the world. 
He was the light of the world. He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I praise God that he shined his light on my life, my vile and sinful and evil life. He shined it down and said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Don't follow anymore in that way of darkness. Follow in my light. And when we follow in his light, we find that our footsteps are sure and we will not fall in this world. Yes, there are those who responded to his light and there were those who rejected his light. And isn't that a sad thing? If you come and you have a choice between light and darkness, the obvious choice, the right choice, the best choice is to choose light. Choose light. Don't you like light? I know I have a lot of lamps and I have a lot of light in my home. And I love light. And I think we all love the light, the sunlight, the beautiful sun. How many of us would say, oh, I'd rather be in the darkness? No, you don't want the darkness, right? But people who are sinful that don't want Christ, that get convicted by him, they say, no, I'm happy in the darkness. That's really what they're saying. When they say no to Jesus, they're really saying, I'd rather stay in the darkness like the prisoner where they open up the prison and say you're free to go and the prisoner would say no that's all right I like it here this is a nice cell I mean it, it's very accommodating it's very nice they bring me some good food well it doesn't taste good but they bring me good food and I have a place here I don't want to leave it no you want to get out of that prison as soon as you can that's another place if you're ever in you want to get out the Lord Jesus came to flood our lives with light his light on our lives and it's so encouraging indeed but the scripture is so clear on this in John chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20 where it says and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness more than light because their deeds are evil for everyone practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed you know, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility we have as believers to walk in the light. To walk in the light. John even said it in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. This is the message that we have heard from him from the beginning and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You know, he doesn't just come with this big flashlight to shine it down on our sins and say, look, look how bad you are. Look at all those things you said. Look at all those things you did to expose it. He didn't just come to expose it. He exposed it with a reason to show us how that we can be forgiven of those things. He says, yes, you got a long list here. Everything's written here. What you did, what you said, how you lived your life. But I can and will forgive you if you just come to me. Come to me, and he will save us. Yes, he said in Genesis, let there be light. And it says there was light. And he came to give us this light to shine on our lives every day. I love this story of a man who remembered fondly some memories where he and his father used to go squirrel hunting. And they'd go out in the woods sometimes before daylight, so it was really, really dark. 
And he says his father led the way and his father would shine the flashlight on his path. So you can imagine the father is walking along like this. And as he's going along, he's turning like this with the flashlight. Visualize this. And he's turning back so his son can see. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus as the light of the world did. He came to shine his light down so we could see how to live our lives, how we can see how he wants us to live and, and follow in his word. That's why it says in Psalm 119 and 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And he's right there with us. He's right there with you, Ken. He's right there with you, Jeff. He's right there with you, Caitlin. He's right with us every step of the way, shining his light down so that we can see in this darkness. And this world is full of darkness. But you know, the Lord Jesus is the light of the world. But one of the most amazing thoughts, even more amazing than that, is found in the ninth chapter of John, where, it, where the Lord Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, you, you are the light of the world. Isn't that amazing? You are the light of the world. Have you ever seen pictures of like they have this big stadium and you maybe have a crusade and, and they give people at the end a little candle and they say, just wait till we say the word and then light that. And then you see the total darkness and then you see the light all throughout that stadium. And that's the way it is in the world today. We're living in a dark world, but there are Christians everywhere. There are Christians in businesses and Christians in schools and Christians everywhere in society that are carrying the light, carrying the light of salvation for others. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So God is light, and he says, Now go out and be the light. Go out and shine the light for others to see. Yes, the Lord through his word has taught us what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong. And he says, Now you've got a choice. Walk in it. Walk by that light. It's so sad to hear stories where people have the light, they've seen the light, and yet they reject it and they turn away. It's kind of a humorous story, but a story is told of a desert nomad who awakened hungry in the middle of the night. There he is in his tent out in the desert, and he lit a candle and began eating dates from a bowl beside his bed. He took a bite from, from one end and saw there was a worm in it, so he took that and he threw it out of the tent, took another one, took a bite out of that one. That one also had a worm in it, so he took that one and he threw that one out of the tent. Boy, he says, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to have anything to eat. So he put out the light and he ate all the dates, <laughs> right? And that's what people do today. The Lord Jesus presents the way of salvation. He says, here's your life, your sinful life. I'm coming to forgive you of their sin. And they turn off the light and live the way they choose because they love darkness more than light. His light is so perfect. It's so warm. It's so inviting. And yet some people would rather have darkness. They would say, well, if I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm going to lose out on this. I'm not going to have this kind of fun or that kind of fun. And they don't realize the fun, the blessing, and the enjoyment, everything he's going to give. All they have to do is accept him. God is love and God is light. And third, God is life. 
The Lord Jesus Christ not only came to bring love and help us to show his love, he not only came to bring light and help us to show his light, but he came to bring life. And that is what's so exciting because the Bible teaches us that when we're born, we're born dead. Have you ever thought about that? It's somehow we can't get our minds around it. How can you be born dead, Dean? I mean, the baby's born, he's very much alive, crying and everything. That little baby may be alive physically, but is dead spiritually because we're born in sin and conceived in iniquity. When Adam and Eve sinned, we have that sin nature from them. And so Jesus came that he may give us life, abundant, eternal life. And that's what he came to do. And that's why he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, well, what about this religion? What about that religion? They seem so sincere. They seem so nice, very nice people, right? They can be sincerely wrong and nicely wrong because the only way is through Jesus Christ. You, people say, you Christians, you're narrow-minded because God provided the one best remedy. If you had a, a, an illness, let's say, and it was a, a fatal illness and you knew that there was a remedy for it, right? You can't, there's one remedy for it. You can't go and say, well, I could take this instead. This seems seems good. I mean, I'm sure this will be just as good, costs a little less, and, and I don't have to do as much with it. It doesn't have the side effects. I think this will be fine. I'm sincere. I think it's good. I'm doing this. No, you've got to take the right remedy. Jesus is the right remedy. He's the remedy for our sin. He's the remedy for our condition. And we can't go along and say, well, I'd rather go this way. I'd rather choose this option. I'd rather choose this religion. He came to be born in this world to show us the way and to show us that he is life and to give us that life. We sang it in the hymn. We sang it twice this morning. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. What a great blessing it is. We can thank the Lord this morning that he is our Savior, can't we? For those who know the Lord, can't you say, I have Christ as my Savior, I have it all, I'm thankful. But maybe you're here today and you said, you know, what he's saying is making sense. I've tried my own way. I've lived my own life. I need a Savior. And when you see your need, then you're ready. You're ready to come. The fruit is ripe on the tree. Your heart is ready. And it is a blessing. As Christians, we know where we came from, don't we? As Christians, we know where we're going to, don't we? And as Christians, we know that the journey, though it may be sometimes full of bumps and bruises and difficulties, we know that the Lord is with us, and we can thank God for that. I found a quote by Abraham Lincoln that I'd never heard before, and I found it in one of these uh, sources that I have, and it said this. Abraham Lincoln once said this, It's not the years of your life that count. It's the life of your years. I thought, think of that. It's not the years of your life that count. In other words, the quantity of your years. 
It's the life in your years. It's how you live your life. You could live your life very, a, a very short time. But if you live it all for Jesus, that is a fulfilling life. That is a good life. That is the best life. And conversely, you could live a long time in this world. We've all seen it. Some people live 125 years, 130. I mean, we've seen different people live a, a long time. But if they don't know the Lord, what good is it? They're still going to go into eternity without him. Sure, they had a long life in this world, but compared to eternity, it's a short life. But when we have Christ, you can be ready. You can be a young person, and you could go out, and something could happen to you today. But if you have the Lord, you're going to be with him. And that is the joy of it. So as we remember this morning, this Christmas season as it comes, let's remember that God is love. He is love personified. He came to, he, the Father loved us. He sent his son for us. The Lord Jesus loved us and he died for us. And he has compassion for us. He has mercy toward us. Let's remember that. And let's remember those people who are unsaved in the world. Let's remember how they're hurting and they're unsaved and they don't have Christ and remember that we used to be on the other side. We used to be in their, in their shoes. And so let's present the love of God to them. And let's remember that God came to shine his light down into our dark lives. And it penetrated deep in there and it showed us that we our sins and showed us that we could be forgiven. And he's given us the light to live by and to walk the path of life. And thirdly, God is a God of life. He's not a God of death. He's a God of life. He's the God of the living. And we praise him for that. Let's bow our heads now and close our eyes and ask the Lord to, to bless us. And if there's anyone here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, don't pass this opportunity by. Accept him today. Come up and talk to Adel. He will share with you and pray with you and lead you to accept Christ. And only then can you really say, I have everything. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the word today and we thank you for the power of the words. It's not in me, Lord. It's not my power. It's not my words. It's your words. We thank you, Father, that you are the God of love. You are the God of light and you are the God of life. We thank you, Lord, that you came down for us, Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for us and bring us eternal life. Lord, don't let anyone leave this building today still in their sins, still unforgiven, still going their own way, still walking in darkness. Lord, help them to come to the light. Help them to come to you and be saved today. And Lord, we just pray for those who are saved. Lord, help us to show your love to others. Help us to walk in that light of your truth and help us to have that life and to live our lives according to your word in obedience and faithfulness and trust in you, Lord. And so we just commit this time to you. We thank you for all that you have done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.